Welcome to Walking in Faith with Pastor Rob Currington. This podcast is dedicated to helping develop lifelong seekers of the Kingdom of God. Each week, Pastor Rob helps bring God's message for living to those seeking a richer and more Christ-filled life. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he shares this week's message. Take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18, I believe. Yes, the five promises of Christmas. So today we consider the second promise of Christmas, and that's the promise of a new prophet to proclaim God's word. A new prophet to proclaim God's word. Now, as you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18, you'll see it there in the uh, the fifth book of 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 the Bible. We read that Moses proclaims that God promises to send a new prophet like Moses. And with that promise comes the identification of who the prophet would be, the instructions to listen, the source and the purpose of this prophet and his proclamation, and then a warning to those who would ignore his teaching. So with that, Deuteronomy chapter 18, it is here on the screen, but also if you're in the monitors, but also if you can join with me in your, in your Bible, look at verse 15 of Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, Moses writes, like me from among you, from your brothers. And it is to him you shall listen, just as you desire to the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore, lest I die. Look at verse 17. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. And here's the promise in verse 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Let's pray. Father, you are so good. And you have given us your word that we may know you. It reveals who you are. Father, as we consider the prophet like Moses, the promise of one who will come and proclaim your word in truth, and we consider that Jesus fulfills this promise, let it fill us with joy, with hope, with strength, with encouragement. And Father, may that permeate our lives and our hearts and our hands. Father, may we share that good news during this Christmas season that we know one who who proclaims truth. Father, may we respond to your word as we read. In your name we pray. That when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, it says that the people were afraid and they trembled. It goes on to record that they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. We needed someone to stand in betwixt us and the almighty creator. Now Moses was the first major prophet. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. There were many prophets that followed Moses, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joel, Amos, so on and so forth. But they were not the one that was promised by God here in Deuteronomy. 
Now, some thought that John the Baptist was that prophet, but John's own testimony and words about himself says that he was not the prophet. In John 1, we read that the people had asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. So then they said, are you the prophet concerning the one in Deuteronomy? And he said, no. So they said, well, who are you? We need an answer to share with those who, who called us to find out. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So he was in the long line of prophet, the last prophet, so to speak, the last Old Testament prophet that bridges the gap to the promised prophet that would come, Jesus Christ. Now, as we come to that first advent, the first coming of Christ, the people of Israel, like Simeon, who was a man, the Bible says, was righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the prophetess Anna, who was waiting for the redemption of Israel. These people were looking for the prophet that was promised in Deuteronomy 18. They were looking for him for hundreds of years. It had been 400 years since the last prophet Malachi had spoken from the Lord. God had been silent, but yet the promise was still there. They were holding on to that promise with expectation and anticipation. When will God fulfill the promise? Well, as we want to take a moment here to look at the promise itself. And so we're going to kind of look at a lot of different chapters. We'll go through. Some will be on the monitor. Some will we'll just say. Some will have you look up. But I want to look at the promise and, the, and what is contained in the promise. There's, there's four or five things, I believe. The first one, it gives us the identification of the prophet. In verse 18 of Deuteronomy 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you, speaking of Moses, from among their brothers. So from among the Jews, there will be a new prophet, one like Moses. Now Israel, once again, at this first advent, was under captivity. This time it was under Roman rule, and Rome had put a disputed and wicked king on the Jewish throne. He was not even a Hebrew. He was not Jewish. He was, he was not, uh, uh, he was not uh, uh, in the line of David. Now the Jews at this time, by the time we come to here, had forsaken the Lord. They had perverted his laws. Some had embraced the Hellenistic culture that permeated the world at that time. Yet even in the midst of this dark period, the promises of God begin to break through like the first ray of light that drives the dark of night away. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 4 that when the, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under law so they might receive adoptions as sons. So Jesus is a prophet like, like Moses. So just some fun facts that you may want to consider is that both, both Moses and Jesus were sent from God. Both were threatened by wicked kings, Pharaoh and Herod. Both Moses and Jesus spent their early years in Egypt, miraculously protected uh, from those who sought their lives. You might recall Moses being uh, swept away into the, in, into the, with his, from his mother into that basket, as well as Jesus fleeing into Egypt. Both rejected the possibility to become rulers of this age. Moses left the royal family while Jesus left heaven. Both were initially rejected by the Jews, but both knew God face to face. And here's an interesting thing, is God spoke directly to Moses and Jesus. All other prophets received their revelation by visions or dreams. Both were authoritative spokesmen for God. 
Both gave people bread from heaven and performed various miracles. They both were appointed as saviors of Israel. Moses as the deliverer out of Egypt. Jesus as the one who would deliver from the bondage of curse, of, of death and sin. Both were mediators of a covenant of blood. Moses the old, Jesus the new. Both offered to die on behalf of the people's sin. Both of their face shone with the glory of heaven. Moses on Mount Sinai. Jesus on the mountain transfiguration. And lastly, just as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness to heal the people, so Jesus was lifted up on the cross to heal all those that would believe on Him. Now beside the similarities between Moses and Jesus, we read the testimonies from the New Testament witnesses. After the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, it says, So they gathered up and filled 12 baskets with, fragrant, with fragments from only the five barley loaves that were left by those who had eaten. And when the people had saw the abundance of what came out of so little, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. They recognized that there was something different about Jesus. Look on the monitor in Luke chapter 7. This is a witness of, of, of a man Jesus raised from the dead. It says, as he drew near the gate of the town, behold, a man who died was being carried out. He was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the buyer. And the bearer stood still, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up, and he began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. And fear, it says, seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. You almost see two proclamations of two promises. God, Emmanuel, God be with us. And a great prophet. The woman at the well said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. The man who was healed from his blindness in John chapter 9 when they asked him, who do you say about Jesus? Who is he? And he said, he is a prophet. And then as we read in our scripture reading earlier, that Peter used that quote, that promise of Deuteronomy to proclaim that Jesus Christ, the one that they crucified, was that prophet. So in that promise, we see the identification. He would be like Moses. Number two, the promise named the source and the purpose of the new prophet. Where would he get his proclamation? Where would he get his teaching? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, we see, I will put my works, God says, in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded them. You see, Jesus is different from the prophets that came before because it, what we see is that the prophets spoke about him. It says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them all of Scripture and the things that they were spoken concerning himself. We see that he was more than just a, men, uh, a messenger, but Jesus himself was the source of the revelation. The Apostle John informs us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. We contrast the Old Testament's prophecy, prophecy when they said, Thus saith the Lord, with Jesus who would say, You have heard it said, but I say to you. You see, Jesus is the source. 
in John chapter 18, when Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor, read that Pilate looked at Jesus while he's sitting there, standing there in chains, and he says, so you are a king. Remember, that was the accusations against him. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. And for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice, Jesus said. And Pilate said to him, really the spirit of the age, what is truth? You see, what Pilate was unaware of was that truth is more than just a concept. You see, truth is a person. It's Jesus. In the Gospels, we read of the authority of Jesus by the response of his listeners. They said that when Jesus was finished, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority, not as a scribe, as one who is repeating what he's heard or learned from others. In Matthew, Jesus himself said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. So he has the source. But not only that, we see the purpose of the prophet. And that was to reveal to us by his word and by his spirit the will of God for our salvation. It was to reveal to us who God is, who we are, and what our needs are, and how God was going to provide that need for us. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to John's Gospel as we consider that the promise named the source and the purpose of the new prophet, the source is God, Jesus Himself, the truth stands in flesh, but also we see His purpose was to reveal the will of God. In John chapter 17, before His betrayal and crucifixion, Jesus teaches His disciples in verse 8, he says, for I have given them the words that you gave me. So we see, we see the source and the purpose. And they have received them, have come to know the truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Go down to verse 14. Jesus goes on to say, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are now the world just as I am now the world. But look at verse 17, sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy in the truth, for your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, we see his purpose, so I have sent them into the world. For their sake I have consecrated myself, that they also may be sanctified once again. In truth. And then lastly, look at verse 26. As Jesus continues his prayer, he prays, I have made known to them your name. Jesus' purpose was simple. is to make known who God is. And he says, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. So it was not just a transfer of information. So get this. The job of the prophet was not just a transfer of information, but it was a transformation of the heart. And you and I must understand that. The job I have here 
fashion. I'm not the prophet of Christ in any form or fashion. I'm not the source of any truth. The purpose is still as we proclaim the truth that Christ has given us. It's not just to transfer information, to give you some facts that you can take and win some arguments with, or to guard yourself against someone who might say something different, but it's to give you the information so that that information may transform your heart, that you may be more like Christ, that you may have more love, that you may see that the pursuit of holiness is to love God and love others. That was the purpose of declarating or revealing who God is, making a declaration, a proclamation of the truth. The truth changes lives. I want to challenge you here this morning. As you come to Sunday school or you come to the message, small groups, or maybe just opening the Bible with a friend at Starbucks or just in your own home, are you looking for just information or are you looking for transformation? challenge you if all you're doing is just gaining more knowledge scripture warns us that knowledge puffs up but he's called us to love romans 12 9 through 21 it sounds like a lot of verses but it's very short i encourage you to read it this week and meditate on it for in there we find the transforming power of the truth thirdly the promise came with a warning to those who ignore the prophet. He says in Deuteronomy 18, Whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name. And we've already seen in Christ's prayer that that's what he's claiming to do. He says, I myself will require it of him. In other words, there will be a time where I will say, What have you done with the words of Christ? What have you done with the words of Scripture? Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. Dare I say, a good portion of Scripture. In Matthew's Gospel, the first book of the New Testament, Jesus warns those who do not listen to Him. We love it as a children's song, but we won't sing it. We'll go ahead and read it. Look at verse 24 of chapter 7 of Matthew. Jesus says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Look at verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains come, the floods come, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What was the difference there between a wise man and a foolish man? They both had knowledge of Scripture and the words of Christ, but only one was transformed. Only one followed through. So today, are you wise or are you foolish? Adam and Eve proved to be foolish and plunged the world into rebellion against their maker. See, they heard the words, but did not do them. I'm afraid that we may have many today who follow that same practice of hearing the words, but never allowing it to transform their heart, never follow through. The Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter tells us 
that in Jesus, God has by His divine power granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus who was called to His own glory and excellence. In other words, everything that you and I need to know about life and about our relationship with God is found in Scripture. It doesn't say everything about everything that you want to know. There are things that Jesus did not answer. There are questions that we may not have answers for, but yet in the principles of Scripture, we find all that God will one day hold us accountable for. And so you and I must understand that, is that the promise came with a warning for those who would ignore it. To ignore, disregard, to deny the teachings of Jesus is fatal. There is no hope outside the teachings of Jesus as found in Scripture. Fourthly, the promise comes with the command then to listen. Because the response of those who do not listen, who do not follow is so uh, disastrous, he says, listen to him. That's what he says in Deuteronomy. To him you shall listen. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus was physically transfigured by the light of God's glory. You remember that with Moses and Elijah showed and Peter, James, and uh, John were there. And not only was he transfigured, but he was also confirmed with God's word when God said, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And you and I know that phrase, but that wasn't the end of the sentence. He says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And he ends by saying, listen to him. God knew that many of the words of Jesus and the words of Scripture would be difficult to hear. And you and I can attest to that, can we not? Peter himself says of Paul's writings under the Holy Spirit, some of these are hard sayings. When Jesus said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, the people said, this is a hard saying. Who can fathom it? John chapter 6, we read that after he said that, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. I think Jesus probably turned more people away by his teaching than he attracted in some cases in his earthly ministry. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus then said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And, And that's the question. When you hear the words of Christ, when you read the words of Scripture, do you want to turn away? Do you want to walk away? Do you want to abandon those words, redefine those words, redictate what they mean? Simon Peter, a wise man, answered, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let me ask you, when you're struggling in your life, when you have those down periods, when you have questions, who do you go to? Who do you go to for advice? And many of us will say, well, I go to friends and family, and that's all good and dandy. But if they're not giving you the words of Christ, then what is their testimony? What are their words? Can we trust them? Do they have transformational powers? Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus would go on to teach them in John that great reward awaits those who would listen and follow him. Look at verse 1. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to help or uh, to him. The gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse four. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee for him for they do not know the voice of strangers. And I question today, does the church in general today know the voice of Christ? There's just so many voices that are coming in and so many of them are really at odds with each other. Do we hear the voice of Christ through Scripture? In verse 7, Jesus goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He is the new prophet. Truth comes by him and him alone. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them, and I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That is what you and I desire. It's what we desire for our family, our friends our loved ones, those around us. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I came, he says, that they may know life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, giving us proof of who he truly is. And finally, in John chapter 14, Jesus simply states that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. All that to say is God tells us to listen to the prophet and showing through scripture that Jesus is that prophet through the testimony of God, the source of who he is and the testimony of those that heard him. The question you and I have to ask, because I think most people would say, yes, Jesus was a good teacher. He was the truth. As I'm speaking here, many of you would say, yes, I believe he is that new prophet. I believe he came to proclaim to us the word of God. But the question that you and I have to ask and the question that the world is asking, and I think it's a good question, and it's a question that you and I have to answer, not only for them, but for ourselves as well. Why do you need a teacher? Why do we need someone to tell us about God? Why can't I figure it out on my own? Why must I only go through Scripture? Why do I need that at all? I I have my own intellect and my own reason. I can figure things out for myself. We may even declare that we need no one to teach us. The answer is simple. Most people aren't going to like the answer. For Scripture tells us that you and I really don't know the truth. That our reason and our intellect is actually fallen and corrupted by the effects of sin. In other words, you and I do not think clearly. We think that we do. I'll give you a simple example. How can one look at to the mysteries and the beauty and the power of the universe through the Hubble telescope and through other forms of science and then say there is no God, that it just evolved? 
How can one look at the miracle of a baby and say that is not life while it's two minutes in the womb, but yet a rock that moves on Mars is life? Why? Because they're corrupted. Their reason is intellect, and reason and intellect is corrupted and fallen. They cannot know God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. And their answers to life demonstrates that. Scripture goes on to state that we have all denied God and His claim on us and creation. It goes to state that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. He goes on to say that claiming to be wise, we have shown ourselves to become fools. The Bible tells us that in our case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. We cannot see the truth to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. They see Jesus as just as a good teacher, maybe a prophet, but not as the image of God. You see, the problem is, is you and I live in a world in which, as Josh McDowell writes, in which the foundations are being destroyed. The truth is being destroyed. It's an issue of truth. We, we were debating what is true and what is not. People are confused about what is truth. You and I live in a world where everyone is encouraged to live out your own truth. And what that shows is there's multiple versions of truth, but we know that that cannot be the case. There's not multiple versions of the truth. We have rejected an absolute truth, and we've embraced a truth that we call relevant. One writer describes it this way. I put it on the monitor so you can follow with me, because I think it's, it's a good word. He says, one view says that there are no absolutes that define reality. Those who hold this view believe everything is relative to something else. And thus there can be no actual reality. Because of that, there are ultimately no moral absolutes. There's no authority for deciding if an action is positive or negative, right or wrong. Now this view leads to situational ethics. The belief that what is right or wrong is relative to the situation. We see this today in our own world. There is no right or wrong. Therefore, whatever feels or seems right at the time and in that situation is right. Of course, situation ethics, ethics leads to subjective whatever feels good morality and a lifestyle which has a devastating effect on society and individuals. This is postmodernism. He goes on to write, creating a society that regards all values, all beliefs, all lifestyles, and all truth claims as equally valid. But yet what comes when they come in and they, and they start to butt heads? What is true for you and what is true for me and what is true for you, that all can't be truth if they're contradictory. Let me tell you, this is the original lie of Satan. And he still uses it today to deceive hundreds of millions of people to embrace themselves and to reject the truth of Christ. What we need to understand is that Christ came to introduce the world to truth, the person and the concept. Truth is not determined by the winds of cultural winds of cultural whims and fancies, political strategies or philosophical inventions. You and I too need to embrace the absolute truth of scripture. 
And let me share with you, it's here on the monitor. You need to understand this. You may want to write it down. For absolute truth is that which is true for all people, for all times, and for all places. Absolute truth is truth that is objective, universal, and constant. Why? Because that is Christ. That is God. That describes who God is. He is the Word. He is the truth, the way, and the life. You and I must understand that Scripture contains all the things that God came to reveal, Jesus came to reveal for us. What you and I need, and why we needed a new prophet to come and proclaim to us God's Word, is because the world desperately needs someone to cut through all the noise and the confusion and the fog by proclaiming what is true. And Jesus is that truth. My brother Steve used to say that, that we need to get rid of ourselves of stinking thinking. We need a teacher to reveal to us who God is, who we are, and how to reconcile with our maker. We have so many religions because it's all of our, our ways of trying to solve these issues, of trying to answer these questions, but yet they're all in vain. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Rome, he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You and I, our minds are still fallen and we have a new nature, but it needs to be redirected. It needs to be renewed in the spirit of the Holy Spirit and through his word. That by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The reason that we celebrate Christmas is because God fulfilled His promise of sending a prophet to reveal to us God's truth. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that prophecy. 2,000 years and now, that should give us joy and encouragement. For we do not have to be clueless. God has called us to the truth. And I pray that you would hear His voice and come to the truth today. I'd like to close with this. Three things. What to know, what to do, and what to be. First, what you need to know. You need to know is that Christ fulfilled the promise of God to teach us about God. Jesus is the truth. The words and scripture is truth that pertain all things that you and I need to know in life. What you and I need to be the transformation that needs to happen in our life because Jesus is the truth and he gives us the truth, what you and I need to be transformed and be in our life is to be humble, understanding that we don't have all the answers, but that God does. We need to be respectful of the words and of Scripture. We need to be teachable, saying, teach me, let me learn, and obedient to the teachings of Christ. For if you are not... His warning goes, I never knew you. Then lastly, what you need to do is you need to follow through. Because Jesus is the truth and because He's revealed to us all things that God wanted us to know, you and I should listen to His words. We should obey His words. We should apply Christ's teaching in our lives. And lastly, we are called to share that truth with others. The promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ. That is why we stand and rejoice. It's why we can say joy to the world. 
you and I are called to take the truths of Christ's teaching and to pass them down. The Great Commission ends with, Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What God has given Jesus to do, Jesus now gives you and I to do. Sent by God to share the truth of Christ. Would you do so this morning? I pray that you would embrace the truth of Christ with the joy and the love that He has given us to us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as the worship team comes up, I'd like for you to just take a moment to pause and consider what Scripture has for us today. Jesus is the truth. You and I can know what truth is. We can see it in the person of Jesus Christ. Would you consider what you need to know, what you need to be, and what you need to do? Would you pray for the Holy Spirit to come now and to strengthen you, strengthen your commitment to the Word, and to stand courageously for God's Word and respond to what He's called you to do? The elders will be up front for prayer afterwards for a few moments. But would you take a moment to pause, to consider, to pray, and respond? Father, you're so good to us. And I thank you for these promises. Let it light us anew. May we see this Christmas differently because of your truth. And the fact that the promise of a teacher has been fulfilled. Father, let us look to Christ. And Lord, let us share that with others. Transform our hearts with truth. And Father, may we be filled with joy. And may others see and be attracted to you. That you may be glorified. We praise in Christ's name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed this week's Walking in Faith podcast. We encourage you to share this podcast with others in order to help spread God's message to all those in need. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Email us at walkinginfaith at orangevilla.org. You can help us spread this podcast by writing a review at iTunes. And don't forget to visit us online at orangevilla.org. There you will find more information about our ministry, as well as share your thoughts, submit prayer requests, and find out how you can help others to grow in God's love. Until next week, may God bless you in everything you do.